evening and welcome to another edition of Football Bloody Hell. show tonight we've got Dave Hilda Pryor, Mr. Sarcasm, Ricky Hyatt, former Yobertown defender Tom White, current Yobertown captain Josh Staunton, and me, Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another edition of Football Bloody Hell. And our guest this evening, I will start differently tonight. Tommy White's here. How are you doing, Tom? Evening. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Uh, hello, hello, listeners and the gang panel. Ricky Hyatt's here. How are you doing, Rick? I'm I'm good. Thanks. Just had me tea. So, uh, yeah, raring to go. Good evening, listener. Yeah, and I have a quick apology to make to Rick as well, because I did insinuate that he was having another microwave lasagna for tea, but uh, you went all Delia Smith, Rick. I know. I recited a recipe to you, didn't I? You did? you just want to let the listeners know what you're eating this evening? No, it's secret. I finished now anyway. Crack on. Okay, if you want that as a, as a separate podcast, if you yeah. want Rick's recipes, then maybe we can. <laughs> Looks look like he got doing that. In, his, in his beard. <laughs> Quite probably. <laughs> Aidy Hopper's here. How are you doing, Aid? I'm okay. Hilda, how are you? Yeah, it's not too bad, thank you. Not too bad at all. And completing. Adrian had chips for tea. <laughs> Have you got a local chippy in Parrot? You're joking, aren't you? Nearest is Crookan. Oh, no, you don't have to do all that driving, do you? Don't chip and drive. And lastly, uh, we've got the award-winning Mr. Josh Staunton on the podcast. How you doing, Josh? Hello, you are. Right? Yeah, good. Thank on. you, mate. Good to have you. Good to have you back on the pod. So, Josh, whilst we do, we're going to have to start with you. And firstly, a congratulations because you have won. Uh, a PFA award for your uh, a community champion award, I believe. So, congratulations to you! And just for anybody listening who's not really aware of how that's coming about, how that's come about, are you able to just sort of shed a little bit of light on it and how you uh, how you found out about it? <laughs> I got no idea really. I think I just kind of come got delivered to the club with a with a letter and and saying that was it really. So I thought you I thought you were going to say. Delivered in the post, then for a second. No, I'd, yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to have a really good story to go with that. I don't really know, to be honest. I'd kind of just, I guess, your name goes into a hat and you get, you get pulled out. No, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a nice award to win, and it's, but I've, I've got no, I, I wasn't expecting it. I had no idea how it came about. So it was a, it's a nice one, really, because it's, it's, um, yeah, I'm quite, it's quite a nice one to win because it's off the pitch, and it is. Loads of people win awards on the pitch, and. But there's more to life than being a footballer on the pitch, and it's it's sometimes nice to be recognised for that. I think one of the main points that I sort of read up about it, Josh, was obviously your involvement, uh, particularly with um, the contract situation in the National League when it comes to injured players, etc. Um, did that ever get finalised, or is that something that's still being pushed and ongoing? Yeah, no, I, I 
we beat the FA, really. It's, it all got turned back to what it should be. Uh, I had hundreds of conversations with the FA, with lawyers at the FA and with people from the PFA's help. And somehow, I, I, at the end of those conversations, much to my surprise, they were overturned and, and they actually agreed with me So and us. So, yeah, it was a monumental feat. I don't know how many people go against the FA and win, but we, we did. Yeah. And uh, it was a good, good. It was really grateful they listened. And, and, we and then they gave you an award for it. Yeah, yeah, I beat them. <laughs> nice. No, no, it was um, it was a really important matter. Joking aside, you know I mean, it was a really, really important matter, and it was, it was good that the FA were willing to to listen to us. And obviously, when you go in with the strength of all the national league captains at the time, it was um, gave you some good backing and kind of. Just to up. recap, Josh, very very quickly. So, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was to do with they were looking to change the way in which injured players were going to get paid within their contracts. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, as you yeah, say, you won. They were reducing, reducing terms. So if you got, long story short, if you if you had a long-term injury, after 12 weeks in the National League, you'd look, you, your income would stop to statutory sick pay of whatever that is, £150-odd, pound, is it? Um, like £17 a day, isn't it, or something like that, isn't it? I don't know. What, I can't remember what it was off the top yeah. of my head. And then if you're in anything under the National League, so, uh, so naturally north and south it was six weeks so if you've got a six week injury clubs could drop you on to statutory sick pay for six weeks and if they deemed you a long term injury which was something a, a club medic which was a very grey area club medic deemed to be a long term injury after three months they could cancel your contract so um, it was a really really as you can imagine when and, and the the FA's argument was they were strengthening the contract for people lower down the pyramid, but they were weakening it for people up the pyramid because the argument was they the old contract should say if it was your primary income, sure. you would be protected to the length of the contract. Yeah. And they took out that primary income term, and and it meant that anyone who was solely reliant on football was very was in a very very dangerous place if you suffered a long term injury. Yeah, that'd be no good for me. I had twenty three months late once. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, exactly. the, the fact is, like, you're missing out anyway because, like, when I first signed my that long-term contract, I was out for, like I said, in the end, I thought it was going to be six months. It turned out to be twenty-three. I had to have four operations, um, and you know, I'll tell you the figures. I was on three hundred pound a week, but I got a hundred pound for every game. This is at Bristol Rovers, and I got thousand pound for every eight games as well as a win bonus. So when you're out for a long period of time, which is obviously why you've stood up and fair play, I remember listening to this on the radio and thinking this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Um, you're already missing out on a lot of your money anyway. Do you know what I mean? You're just yeah, sat yeah, on your basic right. salary. Yeah, and and like the, the it was very prevalent for me, really, because I'd like to think I've built up a, a, a position in the club now where ha- had I got injured, I'd like to think they'd stand by me. But when I first <laughs> come here, I got injured after six games. Yeah. It would have been very, very easy to discard me and just move yeah. on to the next kind of thing. So, because anyway. you can't help it as well. Nobody wants to be as a footballer. The no. last thing you want is to be injured. You know, it's, no, it's and and it was about being a voice for the young lads who who yeah. bullied into signing them contracts because yeah. anyone worth their salt wouldn't have done. And it was a real. What it done is it um it made the the league, it would have made the the non national league system a two tier system. Half the players would have been on these contracts, half them wouldn't. So. It, all it would have done is the best teams would have stockpiled the better players because of the risk of injury. Yeah. They wouldn't risk playing for a lower club. Simple as that. So, and again, uh, if, if, if you're a strong player in a strong position, then you just you'd have to ask for more money in case that was to happen to you. Yeah, I just I just don't know how. To be honest, I had conversations with people very very high up at the FA, their law team. I think I genuinely do think they meant it for the right reasons. I just think they went about it completely mm-hmm. the wrong way and didn't. I, I do. I, I, I genuinely think for the people lower down the pyramid where they have no guarantee of income if they get injured, it allowed more people to be on a contract. Yeah. So it did help them. I understood that. But it was the it was the fact that they were treating the National League, which is a professional league, like it was the Ishmael League or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. there, was no, there was no disparity in the contracts. And... Um, it was it was a really really strange strange time. I think they meant it with all the best interests, and 
but I think they just really got it wrong and, and fortunately they were they were they were understandable and I think we're gonna open up talks soon ish to try and gain some sort of rep, uh, representation for the National League because you're kind of in a grey area again you're you're full time football but you're not represented by the PFA because it's not in their jurisdiction of outside the AFL. Yeah. But that's another realm we're gonna talk about and, and then when we go through that door I think they're gonna try and come to some sort of agreement because at, at the moment the resolution was they just got rid of the contract they just went back to what it was which was fine it wasn't broken but they want to try and make it more accessible for people further down the pyramid to go onto a contract so I don't know if there's going to have to be I just don't think one one standard contract for the whole of non-league works I just think there's so much disparity between the top and the bottom of non-league yeah. I just yeah. think it needs to be they need to go about it a completely different way and kind of structure it so there's a tier system and if you're in tier one and two, you, your contract has completely different stipulations because it's completely different. If if, if someone like myself got injured with a, a house to run and no other income to, if someone who works in, if a teacher gets injured who, can, who gets injured on the weekend but can still go and work, do you know what I mean? It's completely different. We lose everything we have really and yeah. Um, whereas people who it was aimed towards would potentially lose a couple of hundred pound a week, we would lose our complete income. Two hundred fifty pound a week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Two hundred twenty-two. <laughs> yeah. No, well, well, well done, Josh. I mean, I say congratulations again that you've been able to get to obviously the the conclusion that you want. And Rick, I'll just come to you because you know. This lad can do everything, can't he? He's, he's managed to turn that round. He's but what you know what he's been through at the club at Yeovil since he's been here. The ups and the downs. He's even got a managerial record as well. Is there anything the boy can't do, Rick? Hi. <laughs> I can't stand it. Makes you sick, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> if uh, if we could all be uh, awarded uh, trophies for moaning, I wouldn't be able to get in my house. <laughs> But no, well done, mate. It's good to see you making a difference. I mean, it, it sounds like it was, like you say, it was with all the best intentions, but sometimes these things go under the carpet if nobody speaks up against it and points out where people have made mistakes. So no, good on you for doing that. Yeah, no, I think I think it's just a, the way... Football, there's a lot of... One thing I found, there's a lot of non-football people in football these days, and I don't think you really understand yeah. football unless you've been in it. So I think that was probably meant with with all the best interests where they probably just didn't understand football to the level they kind of needed to to make the decisions they needed to. But and it's no no harm in just pointing it out, is it? And then, like you say, they probably made it with the best of intentions. But, yeah, no, no. But, and, and, and to but, be fair to them, they were really good. They were with open dialogue literally straight, straight away. Uh, I had Andy Ambler on the phone whenever I needed him at the FA and we were just back and forth with ideas and middle grounds. And, it, yeah, it was really... Um, it was it was, it was was a good, um, good experience, to be fair. It was something I never thought I'd be doing, but yeah. it was... Uh, it was a different test, but so be it. Well, hopefully, um, A.D. Hopper, it's not the only piece of silverware that we'll see bringing in at Yeovil this season. Absolutely not, and uh, a promising start, although obviously we all understand that the significance of pre-season games is basically to get fit. Uh, but nonetheless, it helps to produce you know, a squad ethic, shall we say, and everybody begins to uh, fight for the cause right from day one, I suppose. And poor old Josh is getting hammered again now. I mean, what's it been like for the pre-seasons, Josh? I mean, have you, you've played three now, lost one, one, two. How, how do you feel about it? Um, obviously, the result isn't everything. It isn't everything in pre-season, but it's nice. It's definitely nice to start winning games again Yeah, uh, and get winning feeling in the camp. The first one was uh, Buckland, and we, we played well, but it was... It was, it was an easier game. It was an easy game. The second game, we were we were poor. Really. Our decision making was poor. The way we went about the game was poor. But it was a really really good lesson for a new newish group, and the way that it was needed. I'm glad it happened when it did, to be honest, because we learnt a lot on that day. We definitely learnt more that day than we did in the first game when it was all, all went our way. And um, then. Friday night against Tiverton, it was a different challenge again. We we went about it differently, and we went about it a way we thought we we're going to have to go around league games this season, and um, we started in a more direct style. 
uh, first 10, 15 minutes. And then once it settled down, we kind of dominated with the ball. And to be honest, that was the best we looked. And had we not had that game against Wincanton or Wimborne, uh, we wouldn't have learnt that lesson that early on. So it's been good. I think uh, the signs are encouraging. The boys up front are firing all cylinders. Um, the relationship seems to be growing in the group and, and there's a lot of different characters in the group. So it puts us in a strong position. I'm really excited personally. I think um, obviously you're trying to get through the pre-season and we don't want players dropping to try and be a hero in pre-season, do we? But it's... Um, I think it's it's good good early signs. I think if I was a sport, I'd be I'd be pleased, and I just hope it, it we just keep building week on week. Really, have you found that the opposition? You know, has there been a, any what shall I put it rough play? You know, have they been a, a little bit going at you, or or has it been played yeah, in a, a typical yeah. pre-season manner? Tiverton got frustrated on Tuesday, on Friday night. Just started lumping us and. Um, it's kind. Of, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a delicate game, isn't it? I don't really. I'm not really flying. I don't play that now. I'll be flying in for any tackles in pre-season. But um, they did it. We we dominate with the ball. We were falling off on half time. Do you know what I mean? It was really. I've been in them situation. It's it's frustrating. And they did. They went down the aggressive route. And it's a test. We have to. We're definitely going to come up against this season. Definitely is. So it's a lesson. It's just hard to take sometimes in pre-season I think everyone I think everyone got their back up a bit just mm-hmm. because you're kind of in that protection mode aren't you still in pre-season so uh, they did they got aggressive they were, they were very on the front foot Wimborne were really really aggressive the way they play against it's not in terms of tackles just the way they set up so it was um, that was where we learnt a lot because I think the teams are going to especially away from home teams are going to try that to us and we were kind of pegged in we never really got any territory in the game and I think you can be aggressive without flying into tackles you? you can be aggressive with the territory on the pitch and, and how you press and yeah we've had it all really we had Buckland which was quite a nice opener Wimborne which was a good left and then Tiverton was the best of all all really we, we played well but things got a bit aggressive in the middle pe- part of the pitch and then we just need to um, just get through the minutes really and, and get people ready for 90s in the next couple of weeks. What about for, for you personally, Josh? Because obviously we know about obviously the, the the injuries and what you've got going on um, at the moment. If you have to have a bit more of a a personal plan, essentially for for yourself, and do you have sort of an ideal number of games that you're looking to to target this season? I know it's always difficult to maybe set that out at the start of the season because you never know obviously how things are going to play out. But do you have that sort of target in mind? Yeah, my, my, my target is every single game other than the 3G games. That is my that is my target. I'll set myself every every season I'd want to... I was, we had a conversation with the manager today. I want to be available for every single minute of every single game. Um, I've, as you get older, you adapt. If you get injured, you adapt. You find a way. It's just the way of being a footballer, isn't it? You can't... I the way my knee is set up, I can't run around like a 21-year-old anymore, so I'll adapt and, and find a way, but my aim is to be available for, what does that make it, 40, uh, 39 games? I was just going to say, have you already identified the games that you definitely won't be able to play for that reason because of the pitch? Yeah, 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 they're all unfortunately marked down, and um, it's pretty... Yeah, they're pretty clear ones. Like, there's no real, there's no grey ground. It's it's green at the moment. It's green light and red light kind of mm-hmm. system. It's just uh, my pre-season is just tailored. Like when the boys do runs, so basically I try and keep the pounding out of my knee. So anytime I they do a run, I'll substitute with a bike. So I do non non-impact stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually trained a lot more than I was expecting to be able to. To be honest, my I'm reacting well. I'm trying to get some some bedding back into it because I had a summer where I was completely off it. Like I wasn't allowed to do any sort of running, nothing. Or play cricket. Thanks, mate. Yeah, I didn't play any cricket. I was gutted. I know. <laughs> All these promises. Yeah. 
so I had a summer of real downtime and and um, I've bedded it back in and and through management I'll I'll be in a much better position than I was last year in terms of being able to move on the pitch but um, it's just a case of trying to keep low impact where possible I'm sure I get the, the resilience in my legs kind of build up that resilience and tolerance to impact but hopefully I'll be doing everything I can I'll be managing it so I'm available for 39 games of the season that's my that's my plan Tommy just throwing it over to you have you ever played on a um, 3D, 3G pitch yeah not not um not um, professional games, no. There wasn't too many around. You know, back in the day, Luton and Oldham had them, didn't they? But way before even mm. I was in playing, I was a pro. Um, but yeah, nobody, they weren't permitted at the time when I was playing. Um, obviously, we used to train on them sometimes in um, pre, you know, like in the frozen periods. And there's an obvious or, difference from your perspective? Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like in fairness, like, like I said, four operations on each knee and it's murder. Trying to stop and change direction for me, it was like hell through the knees, you know. Um, it's it's just just hurts, really does. Um, you know, like you said, especially you know if you're jumping, landing, things like that. It's, there's 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 such a difference in your knees. Um, yeah, not 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 enjoyable at all. And there's a lot of players I knew back in the day, like Paul McGrath. You know, even we had someone else at Rovers um, that wouldn't train on certain grounds and things. And like Josh was saying, you do the bike or do swimming. Um, possibly not rower, but although we used to do a bit bit of rowing back in the day as well. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's not an enjoyable experience at all. Your knee swells right up, and then you know you're waiting two or three days for someone to go back down. And yes, yeah, like I said, I've fair played at um, you know the club are allowing Josh, and obviously they've discussed it. What's best for him, and they can map that out straight away, and they know when what games he should be staying away from because it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. No, no, that, that was a problem I played. Played the Bromley away game last year, and I'll be honest, it nearly, it nearly ended my career. Like it was that bad. The the swelling was. I've never felt anything like. It. I could walk for. I was I wasn't the same afterwards. I could barely move, and and the problem was we kept such a flurry of games. In it, it uh, afterwards it actually got all got called off. I think so. I could have done. I just couldn't set my knee down. It just kind of like train, flare up, train. Flare, and it was all just stemmed from the impact of down on the 3G. I just couldn't get the swelling back under control. So, and I didn't have time for injections due to games coming thick and fast. So, it was just, it was just, if I played on three 3G games, any any one of them could have really been my last game. So it was a case of just miss. Are you, su- are you to- surprised, Josh? That. We're in a situation where even with those those high risks that all players have spoken about, that we're still talking about um, certain levels. I mean, even the top level. I know in Champions League, you know, clubs across Europe and and that have have three D pitches. Are you surprised that it's been sort of seen as appropriate to be able to have these pitches? I assume it a lot to do with it is um, it's more cost effective than having a having a groundsman, presumably. Yeah, but so I, I I spoke to a gra- the thing is is it generates income, doesn't it? Let's be honest, that's what they do. They it can be used seven days a week. Mm. Um, if you put that sort of if you put a grass through that sort of tolerance, you wouldn't cope with it. But they're massive outset up top up, up front. Um, I spoke to many groundsmen. They said if you invested that much money into a pitch and a groundsman, you'd have the best pitch. You'd have a top top mm. level pitch. But they don't. They're never going to earn you the same revenue a three G does, just purely because you wouldn't want to be playing on a grass pitch every day. It'd be battered, wouldn't it? So yeah. Um, I don't know. It's kind of one of them. I think every no player wants to play on it, but then people go and sign for three G pitches, teams with three G pitches. So ultimately, you practice what you preach, or you don't do. Do you know what I mean you either? So it's a hard one. I can see why clubs do it, especially at like. Conference South level. So you can, you can rule out going to Bromley anytime soon, then, Josh. Yeah, well, that's that's what I mean. I've had. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've had it's it. I would. Well, I could never. I mean, if I had interest from a national club, I said, "Well, I'll play. I'd be playing away. I'd be playing away games. You wouldn't want me anyway." So, I'd play, yeah, I'd never play a home game. So. But you've identified all the games, have you, Josh? That you're not going to be. Yeah, playing yeah. away games. And, and crazy enough, I don't play. I won't 
be available for an away game until I think September. I think our first three away games are all pre G. Does your missus know which games they are? Because you're going to be going shopping. You do realise that, don't you? I, I, I'll be there. I'll be there with the boys. Gaffer's taking me <laughs> up as part of the coaching staff in a in a in a way. So, so um, I'll be there in 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 a different form and and be hoping to add something else. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely don't tell Megan. She won't be, yeah, yeah. be expecting to get them off. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> keep that one quiet. Josh, is there any research into the number of players that have got serious injuries from playing on a on a 3D? And, and bearing that in mind, I mean, is it is it a wonder that there's there's not been much more resistance to the kind of ever-increasing number of 3D pitches that are appearing? Um, I think there was a... I, I, I seem to vaguely remember there was a study a few years back about the number of ACL ruptures and the levels on 3G were astronomically higher than grass. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember where that was done, but look, it will never, ever get voted into the AFL, ever, because the players won't accept it. Hmm. The players will never... I, I remember when I was at Charlton, I could not believe... I was only young at the time, so it didn't affect me at the time, so I would, couldn't believe the amount of the foreign players who would not go near it. And they were terrified of it. They wouldn't step foot on it like the French lads or the Spanish lads. Um, to be fair, I, I played on a really good one in Portugal once. It was like when the rubber crumb ones come out. Yeah. And, and that, in fairness, was pretty decent. But um, it's still not. It's, I think it was almost on like, um, I think it was a temporary thing. It's almost on like a wooden floor. And then yeah. so there was a bit of bounce in that. So obviously, it wasn't. And good enough, it wasn't going to last for years, sort of thing. But actually, being on it was not too bad. But it's nothing like real football because the ball just didn't bounce, didn't run. Just you know, it was, just, it was like a different game, really, designed almost for like a small, like three-quarter size pitch rather than a full pitch, sort of thing. But I agree with you. This, I just don't see a need or a desire for that in professional football. I just can't. I can't fathom it. But I'd be really interested to see statistics for home teams who have it, their percentage of home games won. Yeah. Because yeah. I think it's a huge advantage. It is yeah. like... Well, Sutton United had it, didn't they, when they won yeah. the league uh, a couple of seasons ago. Done. They Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were that's good record, didn't they? Yeah. Oxford City had it in this league. They, in National South, they went up. It's, it's, it's completely different. I always say, when you're playing on a grass pitch, you pass the ball, the ball eventually will slow down. You, if you pull, roll a ball on grass, it will slow down by the time it gets to the other side. On 3G, they pick up pace. So you pass a ball at five miles, it gets to them at eight miles an hour. Do you know what I mean? It's completely different. The way the ball spins, the way... Yeah, chipping channel balls. Like if you're chipping a channel yeah, ball, yeah. they spin on it. They kind yeah, of bank yeah. a bit it's higher like, up. Yeah, it like, literally does check, doesn't it? And yeah. like your interaction with the ground, twists and turning, like boys come yeah. up feet battered. Yeah. So and is, if, is if, the, if the reaction to injuries is it basically because at the bottom of it is a concrete base rather than a, a grass base or a yeah, well, soil if you, base? If, if you thought I don't know how far it is, I'd say what if you put two inches below is probably concrete. Yeah. Every bit of force you do is going straight into concrete and back up into your bones, isn't it? Whereas if you go yeah. through soil, the soil is going to take the blow, the impact of kind of the, the floor takes half the force, doesn't it? AD, if you relate it to horse racing, can you imagine horses jumping and landing yeah. on like rock hard ground? Yeah, and horses jumping and landing on, you know, soft ground or yeah. pitch soft yeah. or whatever. Well, there'd be a whole lot of non-runners, wouldn't there? Exactly. But I mean, horses, you know, they call horse racing off if the ground's too hard sometimes. Yeah, so, yeah. Jump, why? I probably do a lot of jumps in the summer. Yeah. But the, the other thing that hadn't occurred to me until talking to Josh about it now is the fact that sometimes... If you're the players that you've got available to select is restricted because you've got certain members of your squad that can't play on those pitches, they're going to be playing against possibly weaker teams than other teams are going to be playing against because you can't pick from a full squad. So that's an advantage as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. Is you, you, it probably takes the other team's availability down, definitely. Yeah. I think, I think there's several players I know who can't play on them. And the weirdest thing of all is on them is... They're boiling hot. So as, soon as, as soon as the sun comes out, they're boiling hot. Because obviously all the black rubber 
Yeah. Like burn your feet, and it's the strangest thing. You're, you, I've used to ask anyone in football. Three Gs are red hot. So you'll go from playing on a grass pitch, and then it's like a warm day, but you're playing around on grass. You're fine. Playing the same day on three G, your feet feel like murder afterwards because they're just boiling. Such a strange thing that like all the heat just comes off the pitches. I can't stand them, but I'm, I'm glad to be off. To be honest, but, um, <laughs> is there anybody else at Yeovil's got the same problem that you've got with it? Um, no, not that I'm aware of. Thankfully, not that I'm aware of. Um, I think if you've got a niggle, you might um, not be available because I think, as mm-hmm. said earlier, that kind of twisting and turning is is like multiplied by ten, really, playing on them. So, what might have been a niggle on grass? turns into a, a real risk on 3G so I think it's a case by case basis really and the hardest thing of all is they're all different there's not like a one one they're not standardised no that's what it should be shouldn't they it should be an FA yeah. standard like you go to Bromley it's like concrete then you go to Dorking it's soft as anything like there's no kind of there's no legislation they just have to be we've been doing some looking into it myself and the gaffer and and, and Pretty much the FA regulation is they come and bounce a ball on it, and if it bounces, it's a it's a green light. I think it's going to change over the years as well with developments and technology. And you know, if you get yeah. one built now, and then four years time things have moved on, you get the newer one and stuff like that. Yeah, because wasn't there a phase where they didn't they start putting cork in them or something instead of the rubber black bits? They put like cork because they thought it was softer, and then that didn't really take off. And and I think they take quite a lot of maintenance. So if you don't maintain them properly, they, they, they're like... Yeah, I'll be honest you with you, have... Josh, this, is, this has blown my mind. I'll be honest. You think about it, you could have, you could have like, <laughs> sometimes when I used to play like, like goals in a five-a-side sort of league, you'd have loads of rubber crumb in one area and then like none over there and then a bit over yeah, there yeah. and loads over in that corner where where all the ball kept going and all the middles were sparse. So just play full-back. It always gets stuck, Tommy, as well, doesn't it? Like, in your shoe, like, even like, oh, yeah. if you're playing yeah. locally, it was horrible. Yeah, in between your toes and everything, yeah. How's that getting there? <laughs> and people that... don't slide. People, people wouldn't... Yeah. Like, I, I would go into 3G game, like, thinking, yeah, I hope I don't have to slide today because I have a grass burn for the next six weeks. Do you, know what Maldini, do you know what Maldini says? Yeah, if you're sliding, you already made a mistake. Yeah, that's why. That's why. Yeah, that's why I don't do it. Yeah, not the fact that I, you know, I never get back up. Well, in terms, Josh, um, just lastly on on the overall course, why we we've got you here, the opportunity to just say that obviously we've got uh, Dorchester next up um, in the pre-season fixture list. Are you, you going to be involved in that one? No, tomorrow? I'll be I'll be taking up a stance on the sidelines because it's a three G pitch. <laughs> there you go. So, um, so yeah, that will be a different role for me tomorrow, and looking forward to it. And and it's about getting, trying to get used to that kind of. See if we have to. Uh, it's another question for us, isn't it? Are we going to have to adopt a, a different technique, a style, or shape for for those um, those seven games this season? So it was a, it's another good lesson for us in pre-season. I was say that's that's good planning. I'll ever plan that, especially if, like you say, you've got. A number of them coming up in the first month. Yeah, or so. yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost like a, it's almost like an interesting scouting mission to sort of suss the pitch out, as opposed to, as well as the opposition to see what kind of works best. We'll see how they play on it because they play yeah. on it week, so see which yeah. which they're playing, you know, which style of play works best on it. Yeah. yeah. One thing I've definitely noticed: I don't think teams on three Gs pass around at the back. Yeah. It's really you get stuck on your feet. Get stuck I on your feet a lot more and stuff. Like that, exactly. I think the amount of mistakes either, as you say, tripping over the ball where it gets stuck underneath yeah. you. Especially when you're playing slow, yeah. Skidding under your foot, I yeah. think is... I've noticed a lot of the teams will drop it into the front man and play in your half. Yeah. Because I think they're just kind of waiting for you to make a mistake. Get you to turn on it. Yeah, so I, because you're, only, you're always kind of in the back of your mind, you're always waiting for that inconsistent bounce or one that really yeah. spins and... So yes, it's a it's a it's an important lesson for us tomorrow. You know, like sometimes when like say someone the roll, the ball's coming to you on the roll when you're gonna like chip the channel or whatever, you and you can yeah. put like a bit of bit of swaz on it. Yeah. It's almost like or the outside of your boot to give it a bit of it's almost like if you do that, it's hard for the defender to read how it's gonna bounce for when yeah. you're defending. So almost like 
if you set roll it back to the fullback, chip the channel with a load of spin on it, someone's going to be a defender's nightmare. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have a mate for that, Tommy. Suited your game, put a bit of swaz on it. A bit of swaz on it, mate. A bit of inside of the dude. Outside of the dude, put loads of spin on it. Hey. Like you do when you're messing about, warming up, just spinning it everywhere. Yeah. Like golfers. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully you will get on the um, a nice, a nice win with some, with some, with some goals to go go That's with it as well. Cause, uh, with some swaz, because Adi, as we've seen so far in the preseason fixtures, the new boys that have come in, particularly up front, uh, have found the goal scoring touch. So that can't be bad heading into the new season. Well, certainly, Reese Murphy was well on the ball at Tiverton, wouldn't he, Josh? And three goals in a relatively yeah. short space of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was an imp- implementation of the uh, the different route we kind of took for the first 15 minutes to get him on the back foot. And if we can score early, it makes makes the game yeah a lot more open, doesn't it? Like teams, I think a lot of teams are going to camp in against us, and if we can get an early goal, they can't do that. So Reese is looking sharp. Look, Reese is a good player. Do you know what I mean? Reese is a really good player. Yeah, and he's a peak for us at this level. And I think he's going to have a him and Frank seem to be building up a really. Um, good relationship understand each other Heidi's struggling a bit with niggles at the moment but he's another really really good player well it's it's good to to have uh, you know three three or four quality strikers and you know if you can as you've said you know get a get a head start and get you know in the first 15 20 minutes get a couple of goals it, as you say it just makes the game so much easier to control doesn't it unless you've got Harry Maguire playing for you of course that does tend to influence things a little bit but other than that you know you, you, you're away aren't you really yeah 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 definitely definitely it makes a massive difference goals change games don't they yeah yeah quite right so was that a, was that a cheeky little segue then you've just brought into the next topic then aid well not really just... no because i mean I, he did have <laughs> yeah. that habit of bucking things up rather but um well yeah it looks like something's happening doesn't it i mean he's lost the captaincy now um I thought the way they handled it was well, quite cruel in a way. So he's had a lousy season last season, and a, you know, start this season off, and suddenly, you know, not just to lose the captaincy, but to the whole football world, you announce it. You know, oh, I've lost the captaincy. It, it must have been pretty, uh, you know, pretty disappointing for him, really. But hey, let me let me ask it another way because I I think I'm right in saying that he's been there three and a half years now. Yes. So if he's been there for that long. Is that too long for someone to be at a club for it to be labelled as a move that hasn't worked out? Or would you say that's fair to say in this case? How do you see it as a whole? Well, I would have thought that that, that uh, they would have taken this move a lot sooner than they have to wait as long as they did. I know it didn't kind of affect things too much because he was never playing very much. But, you know, it, it just I would have done it earlier. Simple as that. But, you know, that's me and I'm not. Eric Ten Hag, but um, you know, quite clearly, he, he just he just doesn't fit in now, does he? In terms of the way they play, and uh, what do you think? Yeah. What do you think, Rick? How do you, how do you see it? Has it has it has it been a total disaster from start to finish, or is it just the most recent eighteen months that have been a bit more of a problem for him? I definitely think Adrian isn't Eric Ten Hag, and I'm quite uh, pleased about that, to be honest. As far as Harry Maguire goes. Um, Initially, it was it, did, it was a success. It did work under Ollie because United were playing on the counter attack. But it, when you're defending and you're defending higher up the pitch, he's more exposed. I think Eric Ten Hag's handled it quite well, actually. You know, he's he gave him a season where he didn't rock the boat, and it was a bit of a, a Brian Clough situation. I think this meeting that they had, where the two of them sit down, and at the end of it, they decide that Brian's right, and it sounds pretty much that's what Eric Ten Hag went in with the. Uh, with the policy of that, he was always, he was never, it was never a discussion. Basically, he was told he's not going to be captain. He's now, in effect, fifth choice centre-back at United, if everybody's fit. And you can, when Luke Shaw is preferred on the left-hand side of uh, defence rather than a central defender, then the writing's on the wall, isn't it? I mean, he's, he's had a go, he's given it a go. I think he has been relatively successful. If you remember back to the Europa League final that, that United lost, they were desperate to get him on the pitch and desperate that his presence, even on the bench, would make a difference because everything he was playing so well and everything was revolving around him. And it's just 
his form's just dropped off a cliff, which I guess happens. The change of scenery will probably do him some good as well as him, as well as everybody else. And it, would, it just, I just think he needs a break. And he's, if he's, he's still going to be first choice for England, so he needs to be playing regular first team football, and he's not going to get that at United. So it's time to move. What do you think, Tom? Did you think it, yeah. you know, it was a, a hand yeah. as well? Yeah, he's been disappointing. Like I said, I am a Man United fan, and um, obviously being a centre back, yeah, he, he's been disappointing without doubt. I think he touched on all the right facts there. You know, he struggled as soon as Man United pushed up. He looked exposed. People were pulling him in and then just playing balls in behind him, and he just was getting exposed all the time. Um, also, you know, he used to score quite a lot of goals, didn't he? Like, even for England, he used to score quite a few, and he, even that's dried up for him. So, you know, he's he's a Definitely a menace. He's a lot more of a menace for England when he goes forward on free kicks and he seems to be for Man United as well. So I don't know if they're not aiming for him or he's being marked tighter or better or it's just In terms of in terms of his next move, Tommy, um there's talk yeah. of um the main talk at the moment West today Ham. was was West Ham. Is that something yeah. that you could see being a, a good fit? Yeah, I think I think he's still he's still good enough. Obviously he's England captain, man. It sounds crazy to be sort of slating him, but um I don't fancy him. I, I wouldn't want him if I was a manager. Do you know what I mean? I just, I just don't like the. Is he just looks cumbersome at times? Um, you know. So for me, but um, like I said, in certain teams, like we're glad to touch on, if a team sit a bit deeper, um, or you've got some severe pace around him, you know, because he's good on the ball and he can ping a ball and he can pass and he's confident and he can bring it forward a bit at times. Um, like I said, in the right team and in the right makeup, then. You know, people will fancy him. I suppose the thing is, is the wages he's on and what do Man United want for him? Um, I suspect they'll be quite happy to get him off the wage bill and obviously they'd like to get some money back for him. But what exactly that will be, um, I've just seen just now, just to sorry touch on it, West Ham has bid £45 million for um, the Fulham midfielder and they've, Fulham have turned it down because obviously they got all the Declan, money, uh, Declan Rice money. Now, if you think they're going to sell Declan Rice and get that, how Linia and Harry Maguire in. I mean, I wouldn't be too happy if I was a West Ham fan with that trade. Doesn't it make it a, 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 a you know, Man United's transfer policy and just the way they whole run the whole thing that, that they built into his contract, um, which presumably must have been for you know, two or three seasons it's been there, that if we progressed again into the Champions League, he gets a pay rise. I yeah. mean, you yeah. know... If he was playing well for the whole time, you could understand it perhaps. But he's been play- he's been pretty, pretty average for the first, well, the last eighteen months for certain, and yet he gets a pay yeah. rise just because they go in the Champions League, which makes well, like, it even like, more difficult like, to move him on, then, doesn't it? Yeah, well, like Rick just said as well, you know, he's falling further and further down the pecking order. I think, um, you know, Lindelof's certainly in front of him now, and you know, if Shaw hasn't got to play left back, then like I said, he was ahead of him at times. Um, but obviously, if you need Shaw's left back, then he, he does get in. Um, but again, mainly still got Bailly. You know, Bailly's back now from Marseille. I mean, there's another poor player. Uh, again, I've watched him live, and he's he just—it's like he's not even paying attention to the game while it's going on. But because well, he has a bit of pace, Tommy, he covers he, the ground. He's not turned up. Him and Tellers have not turned up for training, so oh, they're both on their way out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a few more that need to go as well in there, but. Well, some bad yeah. news is that um, it, it agreed in principle, Rashford has, has signed a new deal today. Um, Josh, I'll bring you in. Are you, are you a fan of, of Marcus Rashford? He's certainly someone who's improved his game over the last two years. Um, I think he just improved his goal score. I don't think his out-and-out game's really improved. I don't think he's... Um, he's I think he's just tailored himself to be more of a, a goal scorer, isn't he? I don't think... Like, he's not as... A, he's not... Um, He's not really doesn't really get involved in the games or dictate the game. He's just been scoring goals. I'm. So, how long has he got left on his contract? How long did he have left? Uh, good. One year. Because I think he signed. It was one year left. It's a new five-year deal. Is signed, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think. I don't know. I think I, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have rushed to sign him early. I don't think he's done well enough to really want to rush and get him tied down that early, but. So I'm sure it's going to be another wage increase. Three hundred and seventy-five thousand a week. Yeah, well, I definitely would pay three hundred seventy-five thousand a pound a week for him. I'll be honest. I think he's he's been a good goal scorer last year, but the feedback I saw from a lot of other people and in the dressing room kind of thing at football was didn't really 
hasn't improved. He still gives the ball away an awful lot. And I don't know, but goals goals earn you money, don't they? That's where the money is. So yeah, how many did he score last season? Twenty. He, he he did play a lot better last season. He did the season before. The season before he was poor. No, very he was pushing poor. thirty, wasn't it last season? Yeah, he was. He was a lot better last season. And debatable whether he's worth that. But like you said, you have got a young player. You know, he's kind of with the stuff he's been doing off the pitch as well. He's quite a key figure um, yeah. uh, in a club man. In fact, I would be surprised if, if Bruno was captain now, if he ain't made vice-captain or something, as yeah. mad as that sounds. But obviously, being a local boy and that, they might do something like that. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have let him go. I definitely think he's a Man United player through and through, isn't he? I think you need that within the team. Um, but before last season, this time last season, I think... Main of fans would probably have not have been too fussed if he did go because he was very poor that year. Mm. Yeah, is he also a victim, Tommy, of of being that sort of player who can sort of play in a number of positions across the middle? So, you know, sometimes he's playing as the main man, sometimes he's out on the left or out on the right, and yeah. that might cause a bit of an impact if you don't quite know where you're going to be playing on the pitch from week to week. Yeah, because he's not really said himself, has he, where he prefers to play. I know everyone seems to think he prefers to be on the left and sort of cut, come in. Um, but in fairness, he was best last season for Man United when he was the main man up front because Weghorst wasn't really doing it. And that also allowed sort of Garnacho or Sancho or and, um, Fernandez to play one side and um, uh, the winger. What's the Brazilian winger? Um, Anthony. 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 Yeah, Anthony. Sorry, yeah, Anthony. So there was a few options for Mane, which meant they could leave him up front. My only gripe with him, if I'm 100% honest, is, and it's, it sounds terrible, obviously being like a lower division footballer, but he doesn't get stuck in enough. You know, he doesn't put his... He's like, he's like six foot three, and he or six foot something like... You know, he can't win a header. He doesn't try to win a header. He won't challenge for a header. It winds me up. He'll win a free header. You know, he scored a decent goal, which is a bit like Ronaldo S early on in the season. But... You know, you could stand a, f- a four-foot centre-back next to him and he won't challenge. I just It just winds me up. That's the only thing that winds me up about him is yeah, the I effort. Just, I, just, I just really hope he hasn't earned himself a new contract and just gets comfortable again. Yeah, yeah. Because he was, all the time he was doing the campaigning, he was really poor, wasn't he? He looked like a footballer yeah. who wasn't focusing on football. Yeah. I just really hope he hasn't done what he needed to do, secured his life for five more years and then just goes... Ah, that's me. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the boy kind of thing. Well, he got World Cup coming up, so he's, you know, you hope that, you know, players are going to be really putting the shift in, trying to get themselves in that squad. So well, one, one, thing, one thing he did do was last season he scored ten winning goals, and he's yeah. only saying he scored eleven in the Premier League. He scored more, so he scores important goals. He was crucial last year. Yeah, and he, and he can deal with the pressure of playing for Man United, can't he? And that's always, yeah. a, if you're going to bring someone else in, that is always the worry. You yeah. know, and in fairness, when he when he squares someone up one-on-one in, this, in the penalty area or somewhere near it... Who would, would you back? Yeah, you're, you fancy him. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. do fancy him. He can do a trick and he can get away from someone. Um, especially down the touchline, he does that quite a lot. Don't he? he sort of drags it, makes it look like he's going away, drags it down the line. And So, um, like I said, last season, I think he was... What's probably... 95% of the main games live and he was I think he was very good last season I hope that doesn't uh, rub off on you Josh as well campaigning on other things and it affecting your on the pitch form <laughs> be much worse could it Christ you I've should got, get points my, my campaigning days are done when's <laughs> <laughs> enough Hilda um, are you going to mention um, Ricky's uh, probably most most favourite player yeah, it's next. It's next on the list, actually. Like we've done, we've done a little bit of Man United chat. Though now it's, <laughs> we're going to throw it to Liverpool because all of a sudden it looks like that we knew that there was going to be a midfield turnover, but suddenly it looks like they're going to lose absolutely everybody at, at at this point. And as you've just touched on, Rick will tee it up because it looks like no. and Jordan Henderson of all people um, are going to be going over to the to the Saudi shores. Um, let's ask it this way first. Does this surprise you? What, given Jordan's uh, fondness for getting himself in the press and championing causes, I just wonder, I just hope he takes his rainbow laces with him to uh, Saudi Arabia and sees how far he gets wearing those. Money talks, everybody has a price. 
and so does uh, St. Jordan. So uh, he's taken the Bindi's uh, principles and taken the cash. So there's a lot, there's lot, there's lot, there's lot of figures. 700,000. It's just 700,000 pound a week. But how, much money, how much money do you need? I know we don't operate in that world. I mean, there's, there's only Josh who's breathing the rarefied air of. Don't look so surprised. Oh, 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 <laughs> I'm here. Probably like another 700 grand a lifetime. <laughs> But you know what I mean? If you if you're a multimillionaire, how many more multi-millions yeah. do you need? The mind just sort of boggles. Especially after you, especially after you've gone out your way to like preach about yeah. ladies, ladies' rights in football and homophobia in football and things like that. Yeah. Then no one just completely just yourself. Well, this is this Aren't is trying thing. to say. Are you yeah. trying to say he'll have a bigger platform to, to preach from if he goes? I'm sorry, they're going to swing it. If he preaches out there, he'll be buried head deep yeah. in the sun and we throw stones at it. That's what we're going to do. As he pays God for that, that was, that was, yeah. was yeah. But if he, if he says too much and stick to his principles, the only time he'll be on telly is at the monthly beheadings. Yeah. 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 It's cheap, isn't it? After. I yeah. think you're not going to spend your whole career campaigning for things and being that virtual signaler. You can't then go. That's back the thing, it. isn't it? It's, it's the optics of how of how it all looks. Because, like you say, I don't for a second. This now means that um, you know Jordan Henderson is absolutely in agreement that um, homosexuality should be banned and all this sort of thing. But at the same time, you're right. You don't really want to go to the land of where it's endorsed when you've been campaigning, because of the people who are part of the of that community, um, it's just a slap in the face, but isn't it? When you bear in mind, it doesn't. What well, the disapp- another disappointing thing about it's like we just keep going on about the money, or whatever. The lad is a multi-millionaire. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he needed. He's on the breadline, and he needed to sacrifice his morals for a few quid. Yeah, he doesn't need that money. He could retire today, and he'd never have to. Yeah. His family for two generations would never have to work, would they? So exactly. And more than that, if it was, but. It's still just it's greed in it and it's the difference and it's something like and I don't know the exact figures but it's something like thirty six million for the term of the contract tax free. Yeah. Yeah, but who's it's paying not, him? I mean, it's, it's like how many people are going to walk around with Henderson on the back of their shirts? It's not exactly box off, is it? Okay. No. No. But at thirty three. No, sorry, I was just going to say, are you surprised that the fact that this has come about because? Stephen Gerrard has obviously said that that he yeah. wants him, but the fact that Stephen Gerrard's a Liverpool, you know, club former club captain legend, and he's the one that's going to be actively taking Henderson out of the club. Are you surprised at that element as well? If you see what I mean, that he's the one that's almost driving. There's, there's, it's kind of like it's kind of like two ways to look at it. With my the way my brain works is is he takes him there because he wants him to set like a, a president on how he wants the squad to behave and how he obviously be a bit of an in and he report back to him and, you know, all that. Or is he trying to diminish his respect between the Liverpool fans so it brings Steven Gerrard back up to number one captain? <laughs> uh, I don't know. That'd be a hell of a power it's, play, wouldn't it? <laughs> wouldn't it? Exactly. When I say my mind works, I'm thinking, wow, you know, he's won the Champions League. Oh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll ruin it all. <laughs> I'll take him to Saudi. Um, I don't know. Yeah, there must be actual. In terms of the actual football itself, though, um, Rick will come to you from from the Liverpool playing perspective. If they they wipe out pretty much their entire midfield and start again, even though I've no doubt that Soboslai and and McAllister will be good signings, but if you need to rebuild the entire midfield, then it's probably going to take a lot longer to get to where you want to get to, isn't it? If you decide to rip up everything. Yeah, presumably, but then those two players you just mentioned... Should I be worried, is what I'm really asking. <laughs> uh, no, well, apparently uh, Liverpool have signed uh, the best players in the world and are going to be... It's their year again this year. Oh, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> not so sure about that. Top four, maybe. Top four would be happy with. I but like you've touched I on, Rick, in dreaming. the last, last week's podcast. Um, that dreaming top four. I mean, I would say I think it's still Man City and the rest, isn't it? And then it's just a much for muchness. I wonder whether City... I think Arsenal's Are City going to struggle a little bit with players leaving? I mean, two or three players seem to be on the on their way out. Um, you know, 
Mares, Walker, to name but two. Gundigan. Gundigan's gone. Gone. Yeah, that looks like Mahrez is going to play out now. Yeah. Mahrez, yeah, Mahrez is going, isn't he? But isn't, isn't that the same conversation at the start of every season? Bernardo Silva's been leaving for the last four years. And, yeah. and don't, don't Man City just have this this way of just, like, they just bring someone else in. It's like they've never left. Yeah, you can stick a, stick a young lad back in. Foden will play more when he would be fitter this year. He had some struggles it's last year. It's a about, isn't it? It's just all yeah. it is. It's, I, I, was, I was watching something. Was it their their document their, their documentary when they were saying like they plan for five, they recruit five years in advance, yeah. which is just ridiculous. If you think about that, like they're coaching a player to play in five years' time, or looking at a player for five for when he leaves. It's just because everyone said they'd miss Fernandinho, they missed him yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they turn someone else into what they want them to be. It's it's. it's he must be such a good coach. It's scary, really. I heard, I was listening to a podcast earlier today and they were guessing that what a lot of clubs are probably doing in the Premier League at the top end of it now are planning their squads to hit their peak in two years' time because that's allegedly when Pep's supposed to be leaving and that's, if you're going to get City at any point, yeah, that would be the time when they'll be at their weakest. Yeah. That's one school of thought with it. But then they, they've got other things to worry about, haven't they? What, you mean go on, 115? Rick, no, I'm going to go a whole pelt without mentioning it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned there, though, um, Aid, about Carl Walker, because it looks like that he has accepted um, a move to, to Bayern Munich, and they could well be getting Kane as well. well that, would be, that would be two big moves, wouldn't it, to, get, to go across to Ger- Germany, particularly for two Englishmen? It would, um... I mean, he he's is he thirty three? I think isn't he, Carl Walker? Yeah. Uh, and and Harry Kane's thirty. It just just seems to me. I still don't think Harry Kane's going to leave. Personally, I still think he will be at Tottenham. Um, Carl Walker. Well, it's a, it's a good move from his perspective. I would have thought, and no doubt he'd be well paid. But he might be a little bit miffed to hear that Jordan Henderson is earning seven hundred thousand pound a week, but still, which I'm sure Bayern Munich aren't going to be paying him. But um, I don't know. I would have thought it was a, a, you know, it's a good move for Carl Walker. I can't see Harry Kane going, personally. Yeah, one thing I will say about Man City, it's like no one leaves them unless they want them to leave there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. They plan for Carl. They know Carl Walker's leaving. He's, they would have given him the green light to leave. They wouldn't let him leave unless if they didn't have a replacement. They just don't do that, do they? Yeah. Like... I know they're they're they've got they've broken all sorts of laws, but in terms of the way a club operates, in terms of like recruitment and allegedly, planning, Josh, <laughs> yeah, allegedly, um, the way they operate in terms of recruitment and and it is it is the model really in terms of they just seem to just be able to just pull one person up. Like you wouldn't even if you went back to like if we went back and thought about when. Five, ten years ago, and, and someone said you're going to keep rotating the centre halves. You wouldn't even believe him, would you? You yeah. think well, they play every game they're available. But he seems to make things work. They just flip between centre half pairings, and it's like nothing's even happened. It's, um, it's a real skill what they do there. Well, one one player that might be leaving, and um, Dave, you, I'm surprised you haven't mentioned this. Kevin Phillips. <laughs> yeah, according to according to A.D. Hopper, it's Kevin Phillips. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Where is he going to go? Liverpool. Liverpool is supposed to be interested really? in finding it. Yeah. Well, again, we spoke about this last year, about is it arrogance from City that they let their players who aren't really getting a game to go to their direct rivals? Yeah. Or is it yeah. just a case of they don't see anybody as a direct rival, so... If you want him and they can bring money in, then they don't really care who they sign, um, who signs their players. Seems really odd. You know, they let was it two players go to Man City last year? Arsenal, yeah, Arsenal, Arsenal, yeah. Nearly bit him in the bum, but not quite. Well, they've done. Arsenal have done incredible business, I think, this this window. Players they've got in, yeah. You've got Amara. They've done it, and they've not messed yeah. about. They got Durant Timber in as well now. They've People want him to go for a striker as well. I don't know whether they're going to push, but I didn't go that far. But 
But they have they got them good business as much as it pains me to say it. Yeah, have they done have they done enough to, to close the gap? I guess time will time will tell really. Well they're in the Champions League this year, aren't they? So they needed they did yeah. need a few for the Champions League, so you know, they're gonna to have to adapt to that as well, aren't they? But you you would think this this year's Premier League, I know say it every t- every single year, but with Chelsea falling off the cliff last year, Liverpool not doing very well, it's gonna be really competitive. Yeah. Beyond yeah, Man City, yeah. And uh, yeah. we look forward to how that plays out because that is all we've got time for tonight, gentlemen. So, uh, Tommy White, thank you very much for, for joining us this evening. Cheers, fellas. Enjoy your week, listeners. Rick Hyatt, thank you very much, mate. 115 thanks to you, sir. <laughs> Josh, great to have you back on, mate, and uh, hope all goes well for the rest of the pre-season if we don't speak beforehand. Thank you for having me on. It's been good to chat to you all. Thank you. And... Good evening, listeners, from myself as well. And A.D. Hopper will do the bizzo. He will indeed. And Josh, come back soon uh, to football. Bloody hell.